Sunday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show and you like me, it's Father's Day, so give me a five-star review on this show. <laughs> and as always, we talk judging in MMA. Head on over to abcboxing.com to read the scoring criteria. Got you on that one. You broke. Yeah, yeah. well, I didn't expect that. What, what Was it the fading part where I faded my voice out? Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You wish me happy Father's Day or what, you jerk? Is it Father's Day yet? It is Father's Day. Hell now. yeah, it is two in the morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you, thank good you. Good job. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's a good thing for me to beg for it. Yeah. That is really earned. Yeah. My wife already said it. My kids haven't said it. They're sleeping. Okay. Yeah. That's how it goes. Okay. But uh, this was a decent uh, early Father's Day present. Got to watch a lot of amazing fights and finishes. Love fights. Love finishes. You a big fan hate, of those? hate when a boring fight goes to the cards, and then they're all over the place, and we have to rewatch them. <laughs> that drives me nuts. You know, you had a lot of energy at the start of this night, I feel like. And, oh, no, and I'm, you've, no, you've I'm like, since lost this. Oh, yeah, well, the, well, the final fight that I had to watch kind of drained me. Oh, my God. But, uh, well... Uh, we'll get to that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let, let's, let's stick to... Let's stick to what we said here with, uh, with, with, obviously, the awesome fights from UFC. In Texas, in Austin where the fighters were very determined not to have uh, any Texas judging uh, dictate how their fights would uh, result. So we got a lot of finishes, a lot of early finishes even. I was just glad to see it, honestly. Like, And it has nothing to do with the judging. It's, it it just, started great. I just thought it was a continuation but... of last week, because last week we had a really great card, too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I, I kind of think Dawkus, the unfortunate clash of heads. Kyle Dawkus. Yeah, the unfortunate clash of heads probably got him knocked out quicker than it should have but what are you gonna do them's the breaks that's that's mma these things happen in mma as someone once said that's baseball susan that's baseball Susan. yes as someone else says <laughs> <laughs> those outside the new york area probably have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> look listen to a yankee game on wfan you'll understand um yeah but but dan i think we got to start obviously with the, the main event here, which oh, yeah. obviously we'll get to the scoring. That's what we do on this show. Let's talk real quick, though, about kind of the ramifications of the result of this, where Josh Emmett got the split decision victory over Calvin Cater. Crucial featherweight fight. Where does this get Emmett in terms of the title picture? Is is he is he realistically the next guy after this weekend, or you think there's more work to no, be done? No. I mean, he was at seven coming in. I don't see, he, I don't see him jumping you think he can jump ahead of Arnold Allen? I don't or? know. I don't know. I mean, there's a few guys, obviously, that are in the mix. Imagine if Yair, Yair Rodriguez, Rodriguez gets a win next month over, over uh, Brian Ortega. Yeah. That would be a thing. I think it'd probably be pretty hard to put Ortega in there next, depending on what he's potentially able to do Right. Yeah. Even in though, that fight. He, if, if he goes in there and he impresses, you never know. You Yeah, you really never know. But Max is technically next. As long it's, not, as it's not technically. It's two weeks away. Right. But... Oh yeah, it is. It's, that it's close. literally two wow, weeks away. Okay. It is close. Oh I, yeah. See, you know, you know what my problem is. Volk is he's throwing me a curveball here by actually fighting again this year. You know, I told so, you that he was going to do um, that. You were like, no, 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 believe it. <laughs> so we still got two weeks. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Fair enough. Uh, I can't. I can't argue with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Yair can beat Ortega. 
I could see him getting that. He probably would get the shot with a win over Ortega. I will. So, s- I would say though, man, I I really don't. I wouldn't rule out Emmett getting in there, even though obviously this the nature of this victory. It was a. I think it was a good fight. But it was a good fight. But yeah. also, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of not as definitive. It's kind of always tougher to kind of say, oh yeah, this guy is definitely going to get the shot. You never know though. I think I think he's still very much as Dana likes to say in the mix. In the mix, he loves that one. Yeah, yeah, we're in the mix. He, I, he used, you know, I feel like he doesn't use it as much anymore. He used to do that. Now it's like, oh, well, yeah, we'll we'll talk, uh, Hunter. What are we doing? Stuff like that. We'll talk. We'll talk on on Tuesday with the matchmakers when we get in the room. We, we let everything. You know, you know I don't. Us. I don't have my mind made up on on right after these fights. No, no, no we don't think like he's, that. He's never wavered from that though. But here's the so. thing: there's no way that they're that disorganized where they hadn't thought out possibilities. Oh yeah. I guess, it's obvious. I guess. If he is so, if they're so disorganized that they never considered what they might do next, depending on you know broad range of how things went in a fight, then it's a miracle that they've gotten where they have. So I'd never buy it. They were rattling. There were some water bottles rattling. rattling. That's right. I don't know if that got a, that shows up on the tape here, but but Dan, Dan saved it. It it annoyed me. Yeah. It bothered me too. I actually stopped. I was leaning on the table and I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) freeze to try and stop it. Cause if it fell, it would have made a character, you know, just a disaster. No one cares about this. Let's focus on the fights, sir. Yeah. Dana White. Uh, but they always, he always says like, I don't make fights the night of fight. And then he'll totally make a fight the, the night of the fight. If he wants to. If he wanted to, but but they'll also they'll give all the ranking panels. Listen, if this guy wins, you're putting him ahead of this guy, and and making suggestions of how it should go. I don't know where those come from. I don't know <laughs> if that's necessarily from Dana's side to be honest, because I used to be part of the rankings panel. I used to get the PDFs that would uh that would kind of make suggestions, yes, about about how you could do it. And I feel like those were made for like the idiots guide people that like really don't follow it the way they're supposed to. But they're like, well, we'll take the bodies. That's fine. <laughs> most people dropped out so i don't even know who's a part of it anymore at this point uh but what about cater i mean heartbreaker of a of a decision either way right yeah i mean he doesn't he doesn't he can't lose too much like this no he doesn't lose much here but he's obviously he's gonna have to get he's gonna have to pick up a couple wins at Mm. this point if he wants to get really back in because it is a crowded upper level of this division it's a very much uh i don't want to say it's a shark tank but at the top there are so many good featherweights 45 scary 45 is very scary. Top of 45 is very scary. I mean, it's, got, it's deep enough, too. We got, well, but. 9 and 8 are Giga Chikaze and Bryce Mitchell, and they're fighting each other next. So. Yeah. I mean, realistically, anything from 55 down to 35 is it's really awesome. That's That should be everybody's favorite MMA. Cater and Burgos fight yet? They ever fight? Cater and Burgos? I can't recall off the top of my head. I don't think so. Mm, I kind of like that matchup. Burgos has a matchup coming up. I want to say... No, I don't want to say because I was going to say something that had already happened, so it's not that. Shane Burgos is fighting Charles Jordan okay. in Long Island next month. Yeah, Long Island. And, and, uh, and Burgos, Burgos is, a, is a Bronx kid, although he grew up, uh, I think he moved in middle school or something like that to Monroe Township in yeah. you know, lower upstate New York. Long commute. Long commute. That's what do you mean long commute? Bronx to Long Island? Jeez Louise, don't sign me he up. He doesn't for live that. no, he doesn't live in the Bronx. I just oh, told you. He just lives oh, I he, literally just said that. You said he grew up in the Bronx. I said he grew up in the Bronx and he moved in middle school. Oh, I didn't I missed that part. Yeah. All right. Our listeners caught it. Don't worry. So it's even further then. Yes? Yeah. But probably stay in a hotel, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go anywhere near Long Island. I'll be honest, man. From where we are right here in our little corner of North Jersey, which is right in the shadow of MetLife Stadium. It doesn't take that long even to get to 
the the arena where this is going to take place. Depa- I mean, four or five hours probably. It's not deep in Long Island though, dude. Four or five hours. It's really reasonably close to Brooklyn. Not anything. Brooklyn ain't close. <laughs> Brooklyn's like three hours. I get to. I- I get to my in-laws in Brooklyn in 35 minutes. That is... 35 minutes. That, I mean, if you're driving a hovercraft and you're going over people... They live closer flying. to my house than my parents do. That and is... I don't even think they're far. No one cares about this, by the way. Not for me. Not a single person listening cares about the, the relation where we are to Long Island. Long Island. And I know you're thinking it. You, dear listener, are thinking that right now. Like, why are you guys talking about this? All right, move on then. <laughs> what a... I do like the, I do like the idea of of Burgos uh, fighting Cater at some point though. Although I don't know if they would put it together. Evloyev maybe. Evloyev. Uh, oh goodness. What are you, what are you feeding Cater to Evloyev? Is that what we're doing? I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> he forty five. Everyone's a killer. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's what, true. Who you put him against? It's true. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It is tough. But uh, yeah, what what about kind of outside of the main event? What is the who is the biggest winner of the night? Well, man. who gets the most out of this? Who gains the most shine? I thought Kevin Holland looked great. I thought I was leaning Holland. I also, I mean, for her, for a uh, Natalia Silva for her UFC debut looked tremendous. Wonder if she's gonna get you know a big push because she did look really good. She did look excellent. Although at the same time, Jasmine Jasuda Vicious looked like trash. That's true she really too. just looked terrible. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying one is true and the other is not it's probably a combination thereof but yeah i don't know it was just a really good debut by her that that I means she certainly made a great impression yeah like cody stamen looked really good but also is eddie wineland he's a, he retired eddie wineland he's it looked a like yeah 20 year vet so yeah that that was that was one of the more predictable scenarios i i think of the whole night was was the fact that he was gonna knock out eddie wineland well what i found most surprising is that the ufc gave eddie wineland a four fight deal this was the first fight of that what? Yeah, I'm sure there's a reason why they were thinking that. They said probably they probably it was kind of like, all right, if you if you win this one, you can keep going. If you lose, maybe you're probably just thinking of retiring anyway. Who yeah, knows? Guess, I'm I'm speculating. I don't know anything there. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say uh, I'll probably just go with Holland as the best. I think you're right. I think it is Kevin Holland. He wants Sean Brady next. I think that'd be a, a fun fight. That would be fun. Uh, it could go very poorly for Holland, but he could also shock us. So I do feel like whatever it is for Holland, he needs a ranked opponent because as, as much as I respect Tim Means, and I do, I, I like Tim Means, but I think because Kevin Holland was coming down from middleweight where he was ranked, and granted it's a different weight class, but I, I feel like it really shouldn't have been that hard for him to get back into a much higher caliber of opponent, even at 170. Because he had that impressive win over, it was uh, Cowboy Oliveira, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it would have been okay to give him someone on maybe the just outside of the top 15, or maybe even in the top 15, if they were able to arrange that. Although I know some people... Some fighters like to be protective of their ranking and that kind of thing, which is kind of stupid, mm. um, especially at the lower end. Like, what, what are you doing that for? That doesn't mean anything. But give him somebody in the ranks. He deserves it. I think it's time. He's He's got a little bit of a name. People like are, are very interested in him. He's saving people left and right all the time. He's essentially Batman. <laughs> you, start to, you almost start to wonder, is, like, is this dude setting it up? Is he like <laughs> building these things in so that he comes in and saves the day? Like he, there is a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Like, There's a lot more. I would say he leads the UFC in times being a hero in the last two years, and it's probably him every single time and no one else. I can't remember anybody else. Not current roster anyway. No, I just saw a fight. Who was that? 
that should we should that they should make. What's that? I mean, I know he he called out Sean Brady, but I think him and Michelle Pajeda would be pretty funny off some. But yeah, so they should they should just do that one. Okay. <laughs> Michelle Pajeda and Kevin Holland will be. It would be fun. I I think that would be a lot of fun. Everybody wins with that fight, except for someone who gets a loss and then they don't get their money. But you know, yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you? That's the fight game. That's the fight game. That these things happen in MMA. All right, let's get to contested rounds because we're gonna go over. Obviously, the main event was the big deal here. It was Josh Emmett got two forty-eight forty-sevens. Calvin Cater got one forty-eight forty-seven. The one for Cater came from Doug Crosby, whereas the ones for Emmett came from Chris Lee and Sal. D'Amato. So rounds two and four are what we're going to talk about here. Let's start with round two, Dan. Yeah, let's jump right in. Round two, I think Cater's working his jab pretty well. Uh, Emmett is throwing everything with crazy power. He doesn't know how to not throw it at 100%, but I also don't think that many are landing too cleanly. I think a fair amount of leather is being, you know, landed on, just hitting the glove. Cater is being forced back against the cage. I think that's more of him getting out of the way than actually Emmett forcing him back by landing punches. Uh clean punches, right? Yeah, not yeah, he was he was hitting the glove. I, I think on a lot of it. Or at least partially blocked. Cater is, is busting up the eye of Emmett. His, his eye is looking pretty nasty. Lands a couple solid rights. Towards the end he lands a nice knee. It's a close round. I'm okay with the Emmett score if if you're saying that these landed better than I'm seeing them land. But I think the immediate impact for the cut over the eye favors Cater. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Honestly I Watching this live, it felt very close. Watching it back again, uh, after a little back and forth I had with uh, Josh Gross of SureDog and the MMAJA president, uh, it was it definitely helped me kind of give it a little little extra attention. I'm like, okay, let's see how much of these are landing really clean when I watch it through again. And and yeah, a lot of them are seemingly getting kind of deflected or, or from Emmett, not landing necessarily as clean. But then the thing to consider is this is a very close round. And depending on your vantage point, it could be very hard to see how much of those are really getting through. I'm kind of speculating here. I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. I do think probably the better score, all things considered, is Cater. But I can understand how you would get there in, in a round like this. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, I can see it. That's kind of I mean, where I'm I think you, I think you can defend there, defend the Emmett score. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. Round four, a little different. What's going on a here? A bit different, yeah. Um, Cater, he's bopping Emmett. All around with the jab, some good rights. Emmett landed a couple punches, but nothing great. Then Cater lands a huge spinning elbow, and then he he whacks him with a, a right hand that wobbles him. And, and I mean, it's it's pretty much a Cater round here. There's nothing that Emmett did in that round besides going crazy in the final 20 seconds uh, of just swinging wildly. But is he and is not he even landing, landing? Yeah, and not landing anything. Uh, it had very Diego Sanchez vibes at the end. Just. Yeah, just oh, it was just yeah. a little more ill intent with the punches, maybe. I know. I I, I sent you a screen grab from ten years ago that I posted on Facebook about that fight uh, of with him in uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago, Diego and Ross Pearson. Uh, Ross Pearson. I said, going crazy in the final 10, 15 seconds of a round just doesn't win you a round. You got to hit land something, mm-hmm. and I don't think Emmett landed anything here. Plus, Cater uh, had him hurt. I thought he had a, he wobbled him good. That spinning elbow was nasty. I think it's easy 10-9 cater here. I think it's the, the immediate impact off of not just the elbow, but that follow-up. That oh, right. That, yeah. that right he lands. It is, let's let's just, for argument's sake, call the rest of the round, devil's advocate again, that, that it's called the rest of the round even, right? Let's let's say that Emmett 
even let's let's give Emmett just a little bit of an edge. Let's just pretend that he had a little bit of an edge going into that, right? Mm-hmm. I think it dramatically goes the other way. It goes for Cater because of the immediate impact off of these strikes. I agree. I think it makes it uh, kind of a no-brainer, but I don't even see it the rest of the round that way. I actually saw Cater winning, I, I would say, a, a close but clear round to that point. Then it changes, and it gets even much easier. It's, it's This should be a Cater round. Was... I don't really see the case for Emmett in this round. Yeah, I'm struggling to see it as well. This was the round that I actually came away with, and I think I tweeted the same thing. I said, this is the clearest round of the fight to this point. This was the one that was absolutely a cater round. So I was stunned to see that this was the one that Judge Chris Lee had scored for Emmett. And, you know, I can't speculate as to why he would go there, but this is one that I don't think is very defensible. I'd have to agree. I mean, I think if you're going to give this fight to Emmett, you're on Sal Sal D'Amato's card one, two, and three. Yeah, I think that's that's the the right way to score it if you're going to score it for Emmett. I don't I don't have a problem with with Sal's card going that way. I actually have Doug Crosby's card. Yeah, that, I think we're both on the same card. We, we are. Yep. Two, four, and five for Cater. Yep. You mean the judging genius? <laughs> the judging <laughs> genius who you you pointed out to me that he looks super bored at watching fights. There's just a Case way side. he sits. <laughs> When he watches the fights, he's leaning on his hand. Or he's, he's just It's just the posture that he has. It's just such a strange thing. All judges have their, their own kind of way of sitting. and it, It's very fascinating. I'm always fascinated by it. There's certain poses that, that certain judges, it, you know, you and me and, and pretty much nobody else on the planet probably notice this type of stuff. But there's certain judges that have, they, they always sit a certain way. And I'm sure I would do the same thing. Although I feel like I have like a billion different ways that I would sit and I would just look like I can't sit still because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I'm I'm not criticizing anybody as far as, you know, stones and glass houses. Believe me, I'm, I'm with you. But it's just it's, you, you kind of spot these things when you're looking for it enough. And, yeah, if Doug Crosby definitely has a way of looking at the fight where he just doesn't he looks a little bored. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> I like there's certain judges that like they're definitely like leaning and all that. Like Sal, Sal is a good example. He'll he kind of postures and he's like looking and he's really trying to make sure he gets the best view. And it's like you can tell he's locked in. Mm-hmm. I kind of I like that. There's there's some not not that anyone needs to pre- present themselves. They're judges. That's not what they're here to do. But it just you watch it. And you're like, man, this guy's really dialed in. Yeah, he's really dialed in, and if he, he has to, he'll move a cameraman out of the way. Yeah, yeah, that's, we saw that bell tour. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm glad you remember that. I forgot. It. Um, that, that's it for the main event. But yeah, we this is we don't get a lot of rounds like round four where we have a hard time yeah. kind of giving a round, especially at the UFC level. There's there's just not a ton of them. And if you told me when we got to Texas there was going to be one of them, I'd be like, well, duh, obviously, because we're going to get local Texas judges. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, no, this one came from from Chris Lee, who I had just been saying the night before that I thought Chris Lee had been turning in some really strong results the last year and a half ever since the whole, you know, RDA Felder situation. Mm-hmm. That, that third round in particular is the one I don't think we can really find a leg to stand on. I think two and four are the ones we don't mind. But yeah, he'd been really strong up until that point, and then there's this one. So I'm I'm sure the 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 crummy social media situation will will revive there, but he's still a good judge. This is just a it's a bad round. Yeah. Good judge, bad round. Good judge, bad round. We got a 
I mean, the locals aren't completely off the hook yet. That was only, oh, no, that's no. only the first fight. No, no, no. So. We'll, we'll get to actually a little bit about that next, right? Yep. Damir Magulov, in another split decision, got the win over Grom Kutateladze. Scores of 30-27, 29-28, and then the other way, 29-28. Talking about round one and three, fights judged by Doug Crosby, Chris Lee, and Jason Staffen. What are we What are we doing with here in round one? Round one, uh, early on in the round, no one's really standing out too much. Kuta Delaz is landing some light kicks and punches. Is Magulov landing a couple good counters and jabs? You know, in the clinch is really where this fight's won. Kuta Delaz lands a, a good knee to the head and then to the body, followed up by two big elbows to the head. Uh, he throws a big punch in this whole sequence and, not, and finishes it with another elbow. I think this is pretty clear. A Kuta Delaz round based on just this exchange. I mean, this really, this is really what sets himself apart in this round. Uh, he lands a nice front kick to the face a little bit after this. I mean, the impact is just so different in, in these strikes. I really can't see a case made for Is Ismagulov here. I, I think it's a bad score if you for going that way. I'm with you. I I don't think this is a very defensible score to go Ismagulov uh, in this round, as as Judge uh, Staffan did, the the local judge. Not a great score at all. I I have I was very surprised as we're watching. I'm like, this is a this is a round that was split. Man. Texas. <laughs> it's Texas rearing its ugly head again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, no problem with Chris Lee's score this time because he had uh, Kuta Delanze. Just for argument's sake, which one of round four of the previous fight and round one of this fight do you think is the harder to defend? I think, I think round one here is harder to defend. I actually do too because it's a, a devil's advocate once again. Let's say Chris Lee had a bad view of the major sequence that we talked about that kind of made it much more of a no-brainer in round four of the main event. Mm -hmm. Let's say he just, for some reason, doesn't catch the strike that lands it. Maybe he just thinks he stumbles, something like that. You know, there's, there's, there's reason to go about that. Maybe it's a close enough round. I still don't think so, but maybe. Here, I just, I'm really having a hard time finding much of anything that Ismagulov did that makes it, like, his round. What do you say that's his round there? Like, he didn't. I mean, there's just not that whole sequence against the cage. A huge knee to the to the head, huge knee to the belly. Sure, huge elbows. I mean, he's not close to being finished, but he's definitely hurt. He's retreating. Just, I, 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 I can't see it. So it's unfortunate. Um, and this, uh, I mean, this obviously it was a close fight overall. I think probably. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, this one no defense. Mm. Round three. Round three. Uh. Kuta Delaza comes out swinging. There's a gigantic overlay on the screen. Uh, Super big for like a good like 15, 20 seconds. It just yeah some yeah just crazy enormous. Uh, but crazy we, enormous. I like that. He we do get to see him you know throw a right hand and then land a big calf kick, which would seem to have good effect. We can only see from like halfway up from his ankle because it is overlay. But it, the leg got swung around. Uh, Ismagulov started landing some punches of his own. Nice combos. Uh, but I think Kuta Delaze can continues to keep firing back. It's it's a good round for both guys really going for it. I think Kuta Delaze is landing better to all targets. Ismagulov continues to fight back, but I don't think he's landing anything that great. Kuta Delaze lands a solid knee to the body during a scramble, and Herb Dean decides to say, stop the action, you need him in the head. <laughs> Which he didn't. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear. Uh, that you can it was understand maybe chest. from a different angle. From a different angle, I guess you can tell. You know, error on a side of caution. He might have hit him in the, in the head there, and without replay, you, you can't 
really determine that. Sure. Uh, which Texas does not have replay. Not you know? replay state. I'm pretty sure. So, okay. Since he deems this knee illegal, we as judges have to say, oh, this is an illegal strike. Doesn't score. Even without that knee, I think Kute de Lazi wins this round, albeit a very close one. Uh, I think that knee was just the stamp he would have needed to erase all doubt. Uh, but since, like I said, it's ruled illegal, we can't score it. So, But I'm still on 10-9 Kute de Lazi in a quite close round. No, I went the other way, though. I I actually thought that Ismagulov was landing some pretty crisp punches, okay. especially. Um, he obviously gets on top at, like, was it the very end of this round, too? Am I thinking of the right thing? The right sequence? Or... Well, they had the, the whole knee sequence started as a grappling sequence. Right, right. He got on top, but he got quickly reversed, and then he scrambled up and got kneed. Right. I think throughout this round, I'm seeing a, a very close round. I'm not by any means thinking this couldn't be scored the other way. But I do think that there's enough impact coming off of what Ismagulov is landing. This is this is definitely the closest round of the fight. Yeah. With I think uh, without yeah. question. Ismagulov definitely got two. So So yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate that realistically I feel like the the round one was the one that kind of got messed up. But ultimately I don't see any form of, you know, robbery or no, anything like that. I would not I would not categorize this as that same thing for the first fight even though again there was a, there was essentially a deciding round here if chris lee had scored round four the same as as judges crosby and damato and it was a cater round overall it would have flipped the win to cater however because i think there is a path to three rounds right yeah 48 for, 47 for emmett it's just it, for for there to be a score of 48 47 it makes it makes sense even if I disagree with the way he got there, but the fact that it's available tells me that it's not a it's not a robbery. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it goes. Um, I think we could probably move on from. Oh, I don't. I don't think the guy identified who scored that round uh, of the judges, and that was judges Lee and Staffan had it the same way I did for Isma Gulov. You agreed with Judge Crosby, as you were pretty consistent throughout this M- night. Me I and think. Bo- me and Board Doug <laughs> hanging out together. Yeah, Board Dan and Board Doug. <laughs> No, I wasn't bored. I love this. I, I I got to watch all the prelims live. I, ha- I had to catch up on uh, all the main card stuff afterwards. What were though. you doing? I was dealing poker tournament. Oh, you would. So You and your poker. Gotta make that money. Do you, do you listen to Poker Face on your way over? No. Do you, no. Do you ever want to play poker with uh, with Shoe Face? I'll play poker with Shoe Face. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. Actually. He was saying how much he loves poker. All right. That was all he was saying on PFL, call, which we'll talk about a little bit. Call him up and tell me. Tell him I want to play with him. Okay, I'll let so, him know. All right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got one more split decision to get to before we've got a couple of 10-8 splits, right? 10-8-9 mm-hmm. splits. And that is in Maria Oliveira getting the win over Gloria de Paula. 29-28's all around. Comes down to round three. It's classic, uh, no matter what, we got some drama here, right? Yeah. What's going on in this round? Well, I mean, I want to I want to point out that we got this is a strawweight fight, and I, I really don't find judging strawweights very fun. <laughs> because I imagine judges agree with you, actually. Because not a lot of uh, separation in, in in fights are just so close due to low impact. Low impact, yeah. The so, lower the lower the weight, it's lower impact, and and you often higher volume. So it's kind of like you just mm-hmm. got a bunch of things that aren't landing super heavily, right? Yeah. Whereas at the other end, you have much more impact but lower volume. So it's also like the same problem. Yeah. Heavyweight, <laughs> heavy judging heavyweight and judging strawweight feel like they're just like the death sentences. Yeah, it's tough. I, I was actually when I was kind of hoping that all three of the more, you know, 
experienced traveling judges got to do the straw weights because it's the toughest to do. That was not the case, but I I wouldn't hold Texas to that type of standard. No <laughs> offense to you know Texans listening, but it just doesn't seem like the way the commission operates. Although I will say we have to point out that for the first time in a while we had a Texas card where they didn't have judges and referees doing both. Yeah, that's that's a good start. It was for, it was nice for the, for this caliber of event. They had fewer. So. They also had fewer officials working it, and it was the first time they haven't been in Houston in a while, which I was very happy to see. Yeah, and the next one's in Dallas. I was. They go back. I mean, so. we, this was still an adventure. The, yeah. This card. But. Yeah, it was. All right, but anyway, we got to get to this third round here. Uh, Oliveira and De Paula. What's happening here? Yeah, to be honest, I thought this was the easiest round to score three. I, I thought it was pretty clear for Oliveira. Uh, De Paula seemed to be a bit tired, and Oliveira. You know, I thought I thought she won this one pretty easily. Uh, the Pala had some decent offense. I do think Oliveira was landing with some more impact compared to the rest of the fight, where I thought she wasn't landing. Uh I could see it. Maybe De Paula with, with the strikes that she did land that were good, and you know that's when Oliveira started wrestling. So I could see that maybe you know these were better, and then force her. Hey, I don't want to be hit with these anymore. I can see an argument that way. But uh, compared to the rest of the fight, I thought this was. It was an Oliveira round 10-9. I disagreed. Uh, I Again, I saw this one as DePaula actually landing the more significant, uh, not significant, effective strikes, especially in the, mm-hmm. I would say, in the second half of the round. When, when, once again, you're pointing out the wrestling kind of starts to come into play. I don't know if it's a response or not. I'm not grading it or assessing it based on that. Okay. But, you know, it's it's certainly something you could interpret from there. But again, that's I I almost take that as more like, like how you would look at the stats, right? The, the stats are something that you can use to help understand what you already saw rather than telling you what you mm-hmm. should see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's almost like the same way with, with the way the wrestling kind of comes into here. In, in, a, in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. All right. But at any rate, yeah, close round. Close round for sure. But I did see this one going to Paolo's way. So I had no problem uh, if she ended up getting the win here. She did not. I had I had her up to... Too well going into the third round. I thought DePaula won 29-28. Okay, so, so uh, ultimately you still thought the wrong person, well, not the wrong person, but the person who you wouldn't have given the round the fight to yeah. won. I, I thought early on it was very, I thought each round was very close, but I ultimately my final score was 29-28 DePaula. Okay, interesting. Um, but I thought round three was, was the, the clearest to me for Oliveira. I don't know. I guess I just disagreed, uh, my friends, uh, respectfully. But uh, you you saw it the same way as Judges Chris Lee and Joel Ojeda, whereas I saw it the same way as John Shorley. All right. That was it for our splits. We just have a couple of 10-8-9 splits. Split split decisions, I meant to say, for the first one. Yeah, so we're at, we're at eight nine splits here, starting with Phil Haas and Darren Wynn, Deron Wynn, excuse me, uh, who, of course, Haas got the win. Round two, TKO. Uh, elbows were, were doing the deal. I mean, he was battering people's elbows, <laughs> people's elbows came out true. to the rocks entrance music. Phil Haas, by the way, local guy for us, North Bergen, North Bergen. My wife drove, uh, drove the family home. I wasn't at the game, but they went to a Mets game today and they took two hours to get 30 minutes from home. See, like, see, <laughs> New York is a crazy place to drive to drive from, from especially to in everywhere near within eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's get to round one. This is the one where we're talking about an eight nine. Okay, so what? Why are we talking about this as a maybe a ten eight? Oh uh, well, because it should be. <laughs> well, why? Uh, 
he checks dominance. He checks damage for sure by a crazy margin. Uh, wins being picked apart. He's not throwing much back. Hawes drops him twice. Hurt him a bunch of times with punches, elbows. He's cut. Uh, he, he doesn't maybe check duration all that strongly because he's being very calculated with his attacks. Uh, that's really the only... I mean, calculated to a point. He's not, you know, he's not winging punches for five straight minutes, but... the on- That's like the pushing. only crack I could maybe see someone wiggle their way in when maybe someone of a defense, but I, I don't... I think the damage is just so high, you have to go 10-8 here. Yeah, he, he's hurting. Haas is hurting when, like, several times, and he's not really dropping him, dropping him in the sense that it's like, oh, he fell to the ground, and it was almost like a finishing sequence. It's just, there's a bunch of times where he's like, man, this dude's in trouble. A lot of trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This. I mean, if you don't give this a 10-8, what, what is a 10-8? Well, I can see the reason why you would say, okay, you're looking for maybe those sequences I'm talking about where you knock someone down, and it's like they're they're almost stopped, that kind of thing. Devil's Advocate again. I've been playing that a lot uh, for this episode, but no, I, I see this as a 10 8 too, man. I'm with you. We both agree here that, that this ought to be what gets a 10 8, especially because the damage element is there. That's the damage element is what they're really looking for now for these 10 8s. And if they don't have it, I guess I can see how it doesn't get there, but that that's not the case in this round. And yet it was only our traveling judge who came to Texas, Sal D'Amato, who had the 10 8 for Hoss. Because local judges uh, Joel Ojeda and Jason Staffen saw this one as a nine. And it really just seems to come down to the, the pattern you see from Texas judges that I think you alluded to before. We just don't see eights being given out by the local judges. I don't know necessarily if that's a mandate from the commission or not. I have no idea. Well, but it a, sure seems like it. That'd be crazy. It would be crazy. That wouldn't be a way to do things. And I hey, would hope a commission wouldn't do that. Hey, don't give any 10 eights. I don't care if the guy's dead. <laughs> don't think they talk that way in Texas, but I bet your twang's even worse. It is. <laughs> yeah, probably better off not. It was. Mo- it was more of being. It was more of the the head honcho guy uh, instead of the the the, the ge- geographical. That fe- that felt like uh like Strata Sopranos. Could be. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> I'm just picturing you being in the Sopranos, being like, hey. No ten eights. <laughs> Don't be giving out them ten eights here, Tone. <laughs> that was a good show. It was a decent show. Well, you're gonna upset a lot of people by just going. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just under. I'm just underselling. I'm. I'm not. Okay. I don't love Sopranos, but it, it. I recognize it's a great show. Okay. That's okay. I think it's all right. But yeah, you and I are both united with Sal D'Amato, who was the only judge who saw it that way. So, what does that mean for uh, Judge D'Amato? That's couch hat over One that we shouldn't even have to talk about. I mean, maybe not, but here we are. Congratulations, Sal. Here we are. It's in the mail. <laughs> the award's in the mail. They're all in the mail. <laughs> Our mail service is just terrible these days, though. <laughs> My grandfather was a mailman, you know. All right. Yeah. This wouldn't have happened on his watch. Not at all. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. But not what? He, he retired from it way before I was born, so what do I know? Mm. <laughs> Let's move on to the other 8-9 and our final round from UFC, and that was Natalia Silva getting the win over Jasmine Sudavicious. 30-27 twice and a 30-26. Round two is our split round here as far as the eight and nine. Why is this one a potential eight? Well, I thought she damaged Jasuda Davicious uh, to a pretty strong degree. I thought her punches and kicks were heavy, her takedowns were impactful, and her ground and pound was strong. 
I can kind of understand a nine because there's a bunch of moments where there's kind of a lull in the action where Silva's kind of just like taking off and just circling. Yeah, is she pushing or, for the eight there? Or she's stuck trying to break free from a clinch, from a, de- a desperation clinch, that I should say, by uh, Jasuda Vicious. But really, Jasuda Vicious didn't have any effective offense at all, I don't think. I think you have damage. I think you have domination. I think you go 10-8 here. I don't think Jasuda Vicious earned herself a 9. Yeah, I don't know. I I think Jasuda Vicious doesn't, like, fade much this round, like, in the sense that her, like, will is broken. I think she's trying, and she's just totally failing. Oh, she's failing bad. She's failing miserably. She just looked terrible in this fight. I'm pretty sure you were interested to see what she had to to bring to this fight. I was. Right? I thought, I, she, and she had nothing. I kind of relied so, on you for this one, because she, she's from Contender Series, right? Yeah, she had, Yeah, she so had I, I don't watch Contender Series, and, uh, well, not unless someone tells me, like, you really got to watch this. No one really does that, though. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was very underwhelmed by her. I was completely, uh, not overwhelmed, but super impressed with Natalia Silva in this whole fight. But, yeah, in this round in particular, round two, I just, I don't see why this has to be an eight, you know? Uh, I, I, I would like a round like this to be a different score. Like, in our CSJ system, this would be an eight as opposed to being a seven, where we, which we would usually get for, like, let's say around, like, Hoss round one, right? In our system, that's probably going to be a seven. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And then this, I think, would be more like an eight. This would get that intermediary score. Okay. Ten, eight and a half, if you will. I mean, I think you definitely, I mean, I think you have damage checked, inked in there. Yeah. I think it comes down to one of the other Ds. But like, you I, find but it. you think about damage, right? And you think about, again, go back to Hoss round. He's laying the wood to Duran win. He is just yeah. beating him up and he's in just a, a terrible way. And I don't think that there's that many times in this round where Jasuda Vicious is really in that kind of way. But I also don't think the damage has to be in that way to get there. I, I think, I think Hoss went over and above. I don't in terms of damage. I mean, yes, probably you're right. It's probably it probably is two degree overkill. It's probably closer to a seven than a nine. Not that anyone's ever going to give the seven. Right. It's, it's yeah. literally been two years since we had a seven in the UFC, and it was just one. Mm-hmm. And before that, I don't remember if it was it happened the previous year or, or not. Actually, I know there were no ten sevens in the UFC in 2019. So hmm. there's only been one ten seven score from one judge in one round the last three and a half years. Okay. Total unicorn. But either way, that one's closer to the seven than it is to the nine. This one, definitely not that way. It's much closer no. to the nine than the eight. And I, I do think it's I think it's a nine. Again, I, I'm cool with... Look, if Chris Lee wants to give this an eight, as he did, and, and, and you do too, I'm not really going to hate it because I think there's reason that we should try to push the scoring system a little bit more, expand it a little bit more. And there, and yeah, you could probably find a reason for it in the criteria, but I, I think probably this isn't where I would have gone, realistically, if I was sitting in the chair. No, I think I'm 10-8 on this one. All right, that's fair. So you saw it uh, You saw it like Chris Lee. I saw it like uh, Joel Hita and John Shorley. Mm-hmm. No override. Nope. Override denied. <laughs> so Chris Lee gets, uh, gets a... I don't say reprimand because he doesn't answer to us, but he gets, uh, I guess, the, the what what would he call what we described as round four? I don't know. Bad round. Bad score. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like I said, he's still a good judge. And you saw it this way, so whatever. Now, that is it for UFC rounds. We do have one round from PFL that had everybody talking on Friday night, sir. And I know you didn't get to watch this live, but I, I put this on your radar today. And it was the third round from Alexander Martinez getting a split decision win 
over Clay Collard, 29-28s all around. This was in Georgia, sir, with local Georgia judges. Uh, Let's talk about round three, the deciding round. What happens in this round? Yeah, round three, Collard, he's he's doing well striking. He's landed to all targets, leg kicks, body punches, punches to the head. And really, Martinez isn't doing anything. Anything he's throwing, it's, it's either missing or, or it's has nothing behind it at all. Uh, after he gets hit with a shot, he dives on a leg, and he actually does get a takedown here into into half guard. Uh, Collard's able to to quickly get it back to full guard and, and work his way back up to the feet. While they're down here, Martinez isn't throwing any strikes. He isn't doing anything offensive. Eventually, the position is reversed, and Martinez dives on a neck. Say arm in guillotine and it's not really that tight it doesn't look super tight he's Uh, not really like up on his hip or anything quite quite a lot of space there uh i I don't see any real danger or any real uh real offense here so i mean maybe from a different vantage point it may look a bit tighter that's always possible sure um but i don't think it really should come into play that much in this round uh i want to say this round is they're both they're both extremely tired it looks like so bit sloppy in in parts uh they when they're back on the feet again I, I couldn't tell from the camera angle we saw if he dropped him or if it was just a slip with a right hand that was hard to tell yeah from so our angle. i don't if it, if it, if it dropped if it was a knockdown then i mean what are we doing for real uh <laughs> sure so, sure uh but let's just say for argument's sake it's a slip mm-hmm. um it ends with another takedown from martinez and he, he stays on top to close out the round uh landing some pitter patter Basically, I think this is pretty clear round for Collard here, ten nine. I think this is a Collard round. I think you, if you're gonna give this round to Martinez, you're either assigning a whole lot of weight to that brief arm in that really didn't look super tight or close, and it really wasn't for all that long to begin with either. Or you're giving a lot more weight to, you know, empty takedowns where really not a whole lot of actual effective offense comes from it. Right, yeah, he had him against the cage for a little while. He had the back, he's throwing, you know, some storley knees. <laughs> it felt uh, but so, what, someone wants us to, or, or we're going to put that on a t-shirt that's right now. Go Somebody on a t-shirt. really wants that. Yeah, yeah, that's going on a t-shirt. It was very nice of, uh, and I wish I could shout out, the name escapes me off the top of my head, but uh, one of our dear listeners who, thank you very much for listening, uh, they were were fans of your Storley knees, so. <laughs> yes, Storley knees. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't watch this round and see it any other way in modern MMA scoring than for Collard. I think if you're going to give it to Martinez, you're almost giving the same weight to takedowns that you used to. It's like, well, takedown, yeah, it's a change of position. Okay, that, that counts, and, and you got to score that. I just don't see the effect coming from the takedown. There wasn't any. Exactly. Really, so. Exactly. So it's not there. I don't think that's the way it ought to be judged. I, I can't put myself in the shoes of uh, judges John Regliano or uh, Monica Ridgway, who saw it for Martinez. I don't know what they're necessarily thinking. I don't know what the officials' training is like. I don't know what they do in in Georgia. I'm not as familiar with the practices there, but I will say this is a hard one to justify. Go, uh, any fighters that are coming up here, get that finish. Oh yeah, and it, boy, they're gonna be in in Georgia for the next two PFLs. So I imagine we'll get very similar judges. I think it's a real shame that. And who knows what the reason is? Maybe there's just unavailability on the the side of this party. But Derek Cleary is in Georgia. Derek Cleary is one of the best judges in the world. Derek Cleary did not work in Texas the next day. They couldn't find a way to bring in one of the best judges in the world, who's also in state, 
to work this event. Yeah. That feels like a failing of PFL to me. Yeah, but like you said, maybe maybe they actually did try to, but it's it possible. Just wasn't available. Yeah, he might maybe he wasn't available. That's okay. If that's how it was, that's how it was, you know. You you can't expect Judge Cleary to just take every single assignment they tell him and say you're going to do that cuz man, <laughs> the man's got another job. Everybody else does. All these judges have other jobs. In fact, Judge uh, John Marigliano looks like is an actual lawyer or judge. Uh, just from some base uh, research I did. So twice the judge, maybe. <laughs> um, this this is a hard one though, and, and what's really tough is that, and it's not this is not the fault of the judges, but Clay Collard is now out of the PFL regular season. Realistically, he's still pro- probably the one of the top two lightweights on the PFL roster. I maybe top three if you want to just expand it, but top four are supposed to make it based on results. And I think even the, the winner here, Alexander Martinez, he's going on. He's going to be in the playoffs now because of this victory. And that's a shame that it won't be Clay Collard as well, or instead, really. So, I mean, do you? I mean, this isn't really something that's crazy, but you know how hockey, when it goes to overtime, you still get a point? Yeah, okay. If you go to a decision, do you think maybe you should get a, a, a point? I don't think it would have made a difference in this case. No? No, because there's not enough. The problem is with PFL, you only have two fights to be able to get yourself into the playoffs okay so i i would have to look at the standings again i'm sure it could make a little bit of a difference to be able to go the distance but i don't know that would almost encourage fighters to maybe just survive and i don't yeah. know that that's what pfl is looking to do with their system i think they they're looking to create a system in which it rewards fighters to who pursue the finish yeah so yeah i don't i don't see them ever doing that and i i can i can understand why they wouldn't but yeah a loss here, literally. Or a split decision it, gets it, you one point. It totally. Yeah, that gets <laughs> that gets tricky too. <laughs> but Clay Collard, it's not like money was taken from him by the judges. But man, I think a win was taken from him. I think I think this is this is another one of those PFL robberies like we saw last year. You're gonna go there. That word. I am. I, yeah. I don't like to go there, but I think he was. I think in this case he was. Yeah. I think the right man. The wrong guy won. The the wrong guy won. We. So. We can see them the other way. We, you know, I, I think we already proved that in the main event from UFC. We understand why you can still get three rounds out of that. Here, I don't understand how you can get two rounds for Martinez in a three-round fight. I don't I don't see it. I don't see the path to it. I think when you get there, that's, that's a robbery. That's how I see it. So I will give credit to uh, Judge Will Fisher, who did see this for Clay Collard. Just as you and I did. And what does that mean for, for Judge Fisher? Oh, couch side over. <laughs> there's a, there's his first ever that is in the mail. Now is there a reason PFL chose Georgia? Uh are you do you know? They were available? Well, the no, venue I, was available? I, I, I don't know. Available. I mean, but I mean I figure there's multiple events going on, I think. Sure. I don't know. So. I have no idea why they picked one place over the other. I know they're going to be in New York in August. Okay. Should be a bit better. There are more local judges available up here, I think, who get probably a little bit more experience. So I don't, I don't know what they're gonna. I, the problem is, PFL doesn't seem very interested in making sure that the commission knows they would be interested in seeing certain judges put in if they were inclined to hire them the way UFC or Bellator would. Now, so I, I know they're allowed to change the rules and say, hey, you know what, we're not gonna let you throw elbows because right. we're silly. <laughs> and we don't want you to, to throw elbows in a, in a part PFL, of, a, yes. uh, of MMA, a legal strike. We're just going to say, no, you can't do it. 
Can they do something crazy where they're like, you know what? That stupid app is going to determine whether you win or lose are and not t- have and not have judges. Are you Can they Are you talking about verdict? Yeah, are they able to alt- alter the rules that far? No, I don't no. believe so. Okay. I I don't imagine any commission would actually agree to have that because, you know, there's there's a lot of I mean, there's legislation that dictates this type or there's of stuff. fighters performance rating. No, no, no. I I I imagine that would be a major hurdle for any any promotion to try and overcome if they wanted to have their events, you know, in let's say the United States of America. Okay. Because there's a these states have legislation on the books that yeah, say I'm, certain things. I'm this, curious you know, it's gotta how to be adjudicated by three judges. Um and these have to be individual people as opposed to a corporate entity's product, right, which is I'm, what verdict is. But I'm saying like they can willy nilly just just ban a, a technique. <sighs> I'm not. I don't know the the so. details of how they're able to do that particular thing, but that's. I I imagine it's a lot easier to get it cleared to say, yeah, maybe there's one dangerous thing they're not allowed to do. Oh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> As opposed to adding things that they can do, can't do that. That's bad. Or changing the entire way that a fight is scored in the United States of America. Once again, I just I I don't imagine they could deferred a verdict maybe i'm wrong if there's a commission official listening or or someone else who with with some knowledge be happy to listen and learn from you from you too as as always so but no i don't i don't think verdict will ever have a say in in a fight in the united states yeah i'm not even gonna count pfl as mma anymore (laughs) until elbows are allowed you're going with caposa you're calling them exhibitions yeah that's fine it's just whatever i i guess like can sort of understand. I also do think that, and it sounds like the reason they don't want to do it has at least part to do with, you know, making sure these fighters get through the season. It's, it's for, you know, if they're going to fight four times, you get a cut that can throw everything off, right? I guess. Yeah. Let's protect the quarterback. Can't touch him. Might as well put flags on him now. What are we doing? We're playing football, but the real playing two and touch at the very least. Once you get to the championship, let them do it. Let them do it. I guess it's very goofy. That they won't even do it there. That's where I'm like, come on. But that makes that's even more ridiculous. <laughs> that's enough for PFL, yeah, though. At I least think. in the Super Bowl, you can get away with a bit more uh, roughness, so to speak. <laughs> in in the Super Bowl of PFL. Yeah, like I was making a comparison to football before, as quarterbacks are protected. Right. At least in the Super Bowl, you can lay down the uh, the hammer a bit. <laughs> Uh, that that is all we need to really say about PFL, right? Because we did have, like I said before, nine finishes. That is not all we have to say in the about UFC. PFL. We're gonna be talking about them again. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> but for now, let, let's let's say past business is is done. Yes. Uh, there were eight TKOs uh, or KOs in UFC. One submission and six of the fights ended in the first round. Uh, overall, excellent, excellent way to watch your fights on Saturday night. What was your favorite of these finishes, sir? As much as I love Kevin Holland's Darsh choke as the Which is only what I sub, thought you were going to pick. Ricardo Hamosh spinning back elbow knockout right against the fence at Danny Chavez, right? Danny Chavez. Johnny, Danny Chavez just knocked out cold standing against the fence. Got an holy effing cannoli out of me. <laughs> and uh, I, I was, I was kind of, you know, jaw on the floor there with that one. You know, I had a I had a holy cannoli cake last week, by the oh, way, birthday cake. All right. And then I had some holy macaroni today. Nice. At, at the uh, the barbecue, <laughs> I forgot I forgot about that part of it. Okay. Yeah, it was mostly meat I ate, but then I did have some pasta and mm, some chips and nice. stuff like that. Oh, there was like a taco dip 
or it was uh, something like that. It was really good. Eat yeah. it all. Oh, yeah, I ate a bunch of stuff. I pretty <laughs> much I ate like a small breakfast, and then I had a giant lunch, and then I stopped eating. Okay. That was that was like my day. I, yeah. I ate everything in like two hours. It was like intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> Get it all in. <laughs> pretty much. Oh, man. Well, what, uh, what finish did you enjoy the most? I don't think this surprises you. Adrian Yanez doing what everybody was pulling for him to do in smashing Tony Kelly inside of a round to the point where it sure looked like Carrie Hatley, the referee, stepped in maybe just a, a strike or two late. Not terrible, not an awful thing, but also nobody felt sympathy. So nobody there really cared. was no sympathy. No there. one cared. It was just like, ah, whatever. Yeah. He kind of got kicked in the head by Kerry Hatley too <laughs> on the stoppage. It was it was just like insult to injury. It was all this stuff. And, and but also there was the the hilarious interaction that Aaron Bronstead reported that happened, I guess, during the commercial break where Kelly goes up to Yana's and says, oh, I, I wasn't out. And he's like, no, you were out. It's like, no, I wasn't out. You were out. <laughs> what? what? What does that even mean? <laughs> I know you are. What am I? <laughs> that was so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, that that one. Um, and, and realistically, like let, let's say you were of the camp who said, ah, whatever. Who cares what, what Tony Kelly said while he was cornering his girlfriend? Uh. You know, even if he called uh, her opponent a a dirty effing Brazilian, which is something I don't condone. Um, Let's say you're okay with that. Let's say you're the type that says, ah, that's fine. Once Tony Kelly missed weight on Friday, I'll bet you jumped off that ship. Because if there's one thing that MMA fans have no patience for, it's a fighter missing weight. A fighter missing weight is is a death sentence for your fandom. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, so. no one's rooting for you anymore. So, yeah, he was kind of on an island on that one. Well, he needs he just needs to embrace full heel at this time. Miss weight again next time. I think he did by saying, no, I'm not out. You were out. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he did exactly <laughs> what you're saying. He's ahead of you, sir. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, Adrian Yan is, by the way, another big winner on this card. Yeah. I think he's really going to get a step up in competition. He deserves it. He's got what five and zero now in the UFC. He, I don't know if he got. Did he get the performance bonus for this one? I, I don't remember. I'm sure he did. Uh, Dana said something along the lines of cards like last week and this week. It's hard to just give out three, so I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people who just got to finish are getting a bonus. I have no idea, but I will say if he did get a bonus, that's actually five out of five for him. Yeah. So you know, Dan, f- jump up. maybe it's Dan 50k Ige. He probably should kind of. Give the nickname over to to Yanis. Could be. I think he's more deserving of it because he's getting fifty k every week. I would like to see him get a step up competition though. I I, I think he's ready, let's, ready for the next yeah, level. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that is it for old business. Moving on to a busy, busy fight week. All three of the majors are in play. The North American majors that is Bellator and PFL on Friday night. Let's start with Bellator. Your favorite, Dan. Bellator two eighty two at Mohegan Sun, headlined by another of your favorites, Gegard Mousasi. I got none against Gegard. He's fine. All right. I, I mean, he does bore me from time to time. Well, there you go. So. That's why I think that you don't like him. No, I do. Because you say things like that. Is it true? <laughs> I mean, fine. Sometimes, sometimes he's a killer, and then sometimes, you know, not it's really like, the killer you'd like to see. Like, it's true. Just be the killer all the time. <laughs> it's so much to ask that you're just amazing every time. Yeah. God. I mean, you fight twice a year at most. <laughs> Actually, this is his second fight this year. He might get a third fight in this year. We will never know about it because Bellator doesn't say anything. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> so it's Musasi against Johnny Eblen, 185-pound title. Are you interested in this fight? Yeah. All right. Because Johnny Eblen, he's undefeated. Okay. What about the the uh, 
Bantamweight Grand Prix fights. This is the quarterfinal stage that, that includes I'm going to make a pick on this main event. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. I didn't know you were going to make picks. Yeah, and, well, just for this fight. Okay. Johnny Yablin's winning. Really? Decision. Mm, okay. Stays undefeated. A fun decision or a uh, decision? Um, I think it'll be one where it's like you don't mind watching it, but one you probably won't really watch again. Mm-hmm. So now is that by Bellator standard or general? No, by MMA just standard? general MMA. Okay, because I know you, yeah. you, everything with you and Bellator is always on a curve. Yes, because Bell, I don't feel Bellator likes Bellator. <laughs> they treat it like it's just uh, whatever. I don't know that that's true. But what about the Bantamweight Grand Prix? I know you're into this. Yeah, I like I love the Grand Prix because they actually mean something. And this is the so. quarterfinal stage because we had the two qualifiers that that won their way in. Mm-hmm. Danny Sabatello, he's going against Leandro Higo. Uh, and then the other qualifier is Enrique Barzola, UFC veteran, going against Magomed Magomedov. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot of Magomed going on there. A lot of Magomed. <laughs> uh, do you, are you into these fights? Like even just in general? Yeah, or? I I like I like Magomed. I think it, the finals is going to be him and uh, what's his name, uh, Ralphian Stotts. Okay, I think that's the final. They already had a, a crazy good fight um, not too long ago, so this would be a rematch. I'm very curious win. about Danny Sabatello, though, because he looked really, really excellent in his first fight, mm-hmm. and then he cut a great promo, which was excellent, too. And then I saw, I think it was it was might have been on MMA Hour last week, where he, they were talking about the comparisons that people were starting to make between him and Colby Covington, which I hadn't seen that. I, I, don't, I hadn't seen anybody draw that parallel, but he was saying, no, he doesn't like that. He doesn't want to be compared to that because he's not playing a persona. He's not trying to do anything like that. Okay. He's just trying to be himself. So he doesn't like that comparison at all. At all. No, he does not. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't mind the the Joe Pesci comparison. Okay. He's like pretty okay with that. <laughs> which is also awesome. Yeah. I would just like to hear him talk about the two youths. The two youths. The two youths. But what's crazy is that scene, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, Joe Pesci doesn't pronounce his h." But then Judge uh name is slipping me pronounces the h in what the two what the what what <laughs> no one no one questions that that's true tell everyone's always about the new yorker or the new jersey guy that's right jersey oh. represent talks a little different up here my my italian american brethren <laughs> that's a good i mean if it wasn't so late i'd probably watch that tonight yeah it's it's kind of late it's, it's about <laughs> it's past three in the morning you could just watch it anyway. I mean, who needs to sleep? Yeah, no sleep true. tell. That's true. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, obviously the other one I think is interesting too. Are you interested in any of these fights? I'm going to name them. Brent Primus against Alexander Shabley. Maybe uh, Brent Primus a little bit. Because of the potential for Gogo Plata? Yeah, yeah. Good good ground game. So uh, Guard work. So I will watch like any that. Brent Primus fight. Any any single one because there's always the chance of a go go plot. I mean, it's always possible. And we almost got one last week. I know it wasn't that close, but like it was it was very exciting to see a go go plata mm. in a UFC title fight, even an attempt by Valentina mm. Shevchenko. Yeah, that I mean that was a clear round for her. Well, I can't believe people are still on the train of of Santos won that fight and she didn't win it. She didn't win it. She didn't win it. Didn't win it. Move on. What about Kat Singano against Pam Sorensen? Eh, I like Kat, but I'm interested in Kat. Mm, eh. I would. The thing is, I kind of interested to see if she wins this fight. If she does get that fight next against Chris Cyborg, which I feel like the two of them were supposed to have fought like at any point over the last five years. Can the Cat Zingano that murdered Amanda Nunes show up again? 
I mean, that was a long time ago. I don't know. It's hard to say. But I'm interested. I, I just want to see if she can actually get to that fight that everyone's kind of been waiting for. It was. If it feels like a missed opportunity, I feel like Cyborg just doesn't have that many other opponents that would be very interesting at this point. So Cat would be the most interesting. I hope to see. I'm. I'm not like rooting for anyone, but I. I am rooting for the possibility of a fresh fight for Chris Cyborg. So in that, I guess in that sense, yeah, it would be. It would be nice to see Cat Zingano win, but I'm not attached to it emotionally. Okay. Uh, that's it for Bellator as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure you What time in the day is this? It. Is this a night? Are they in the States? I believe, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Mohegan Sun. Mohegan. It's Mohegan okay. Sun. So I imagine we'll probably be getting, you know, some of the same judges that, that often work there. Uh, I don't know if someone like an Eric Cologne or, or anybody from New Jersey or that kind of thing would be there, but yeah, I'm sure they'll get some pretty solid judges mm-hmm. out there. Uh, it's, it, no one's going to, to Georgia though, of course, for PFL five, it's just going to be probably the same local judges. I mean, are they? I'm I'm kind of getting. To, are they competing against each other? Time wise, I yeah. believe they are on at similar times. Okay. I I think I imagine Bellator will go off later. I think typically, and I don't I don't know off the top of my head, and I didn't write this down in our notes. I imagine Bellator is probably going off at like ten o'clock main card, and that's probably not far off from when PFL is going to be finishing. Okay, but I don't know that for a fact either. Mm. So essentially, they are going head to head at least for a period. It's not okay. like it's not like when they were international. Bellator was a few weeks ago, and then PFL was in the evening. Okay, yeah. So you will have to make some form of choice potentially, but it probably will be okay because it is heavyweights and featherweights at PFL. Um, none of none of these fights jumped out at me from either the featherweights or the heavyweights. Bruno Capelotza, you know, he's he's an interesting fighter. I I would say he's the most interesting of their heavyweight division mm-hmm. in my eyes. But, I mean, how often am I super interested in heavyweight fights to begin with? Never. So, you know, that, <laughs> there's, that kind of tells you a whole lot about it. Um, I'm much more interested, though, in the lone lightweight fight, which kind of was thrown off schedule by the first round, the first leg of the lightweight fights being postponed, Anthony Pettis is back in there against Stevie Ray. And these are two UFC veterans. So this there's actually like, this could feel like a UFC fight to someone like you who maybe prefers to watch his MMA in the official octagon. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but there won't be any elbows, so. That's true. Still an exhibition in your eyes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the Showtime kick, not the Showtime elbow. He can still do stuff. Yeah. So you're not interested in, in Anthony Pettis I against like Stevie Anthony Ray. Pettis. I like Anthony Pettis. I like Anthony. You're not interested Pettis. in this fight. You're uh, interested in this fight. I guess a little bit. Oh, come is it on. part of is it part of the tournament? It is. Oh, okay. It, it is. Yeah. yeah then, 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 so this then, is the last one. Then why I don't, is he why is he on a different schedule? Because again, so his in the first leg, his fight was postponed from that PFL one. They pushed it back two weeks to PFL three. Oh. So to give him a little bit of a buffer, I'm I'm just hazarding a guess there okay. logicking this out i imagine they said okay let's put you on the second one at least right. and that way he'll be able to get back on the same schedule for the playoffs presuming that gotcha. he is in, I, I don't know where the schedule i assumed he was going to make the playoffs when he got a first round finish the first time he pretty much needs to just not die i think here and i think he makes the playoffs okay so we will see what comes of that but that's honestly of all the fights on the whole card, that's really the only one that I'm like actually excited about. Pettis and Ray. Stevie Ray is a Scottish guy too. I like my Scots. Okay, I am Scott. You are Scott. I've been Scott yes. my whole life. Look at this guy. Well, I like I like Scots not just because uh, that is my name, but because my grandmother's from Scotland. So okay. uh, may she may her soul uh, rest in peace. You like Braveheart? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Braveheart's cool. Aye, aye, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then, of course, the next day, there is UFC Vegas, whatever number we're up to. I can't be bothered anymore. I'm just tired of it. It's 50-something. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. I'm done. I'm, right, I'm done writing numbers down. The hashtag will tell me that day. That's fine. Uh, but as much as people are kind of down on the, let's say, the name value of this headliner between Armin Sarukian and Matush Gamera, I think it's phenomenal. I love this fight. Yeah, it's a good fight. Yeah. This is this is the type of thing I want to be a main event because it gets any fight where you say, I would like to have two more rounds of this. That should be a main event. That's what it should be. Yeah. It should be you know, it should be a it should be also you should make that option on fight night also. Oh, those three rounds are really good. You know, go back just out and two more. <laughs> Let's, don't worry about it. We'll just go well, fight. Now two you're just more. being ridiculous, yeah, that sir. Is, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> but it would be cool. That would be in a perfect world, maybe we do that, where you know, none of these guys have come away with brain trauma or anything like that. Yeah. That that would be nice. And everyone's got sunshine and rainbows. I actually I actually did think that when we were watching the main event tonight. I said, you know, it'd be pretty cool if this was seven. Just seven rounds? Yeah. I don't think uh yeah. I don't think Josh Emmett's eye would have stood up to that very well. It's possible. Yeah. His, his, his eye, eye was closed. It was pretty closed yeah. by the end of the fight. Yeah. And we did see one fight stop because of that. Yeah. Doctor Stoppage. Yeah, so Doctor Stoppage. <laughs> Shout out to Connor. <laughs> you like this fight though, right? Yeah, uh, Sarukin like, and Gamrot. Like Armin and, and uh, Matush Gamrot. Not gonna make a pick yet, but I think uh, I expect a high quality fight. I expect I'm gonna have a lot of fun watching this fight. Yep. That's that's what I can predict. I feel really good about that. I also feel really good about, and honestly, this is the one that I think probably should be the main event. As much as I do like this one, Neil Magny against Shavkat Rachmanov. Yeah, this this really felt like a main event to me because right. Neil Magny's at least headlined before. And Rachmanov, he is a phenomenal prospect. I mean, he's he's really only a prospect in the sense that he hasn't had that many UFC bouts. He's fifteen and zero. He's never been to a decision. I like I like Rachmanov. And he's crushing a lot. guys. I I kind of feel him and and Hamza are on a collision course at some point. A lot of people feel that way. For, I for I, the belt. I think Usman will be long retired. Not I, maybe not long retired, but he won't be in the picture anymore. I interviewed Rachmanov last week, uh, and uh, through an interpreter. So, you know, take this as obviously an interpretation of what he said, but essentially I'm paraphrasing that he really just kind of sees Kamzad as just another fighter. That's just he's not that not not necessarily in skill level, but he's just not that concerned about him compared to somebody else. Who's he more concerned about? Don't think he's concerned about anybody. He just wants to beat whoever's in front of him. He doesn't seem to like he's not like, yeah, I'd like to prove myself against Kamzad. It's just like, yeah, it's just another guy. Okay, Neil Magny's just another guy, I guess. Sure. I think he. It sounded like there were other fights he was hoping to get instead of Magny, but that he was he was happy to take it, and that it, he gives him credit, I guess, enough for stepping up and taking this fight when other people mm. weren't. But nonetheless, he's just he's kind of just looking at this as another fight where he's gonna get a win. Yeah, he's a very opportune fighter. He'll he'll take what you give him. So Rachmanov, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited for this one. I really do wish that we were gonna have five rounds of this because. I think this could end up being the first fight of Rachmanov's career that goes the distance. I think it would be hard to finish Magny, but we'll see. We'll see. I won't, I'm not going any further with and I wouldn't even call that a pick, but, you know, very excited for that fight. I'm also excited for, I bet you are too, Chris Curtis and Hadolfo Vieira. Yes, I like that. That's going to be a fun one. That's a good fight. E- either one of these guys I'm interested when they come into there because, especially with Vieira, because you just don't know kind of what you're getting there. He's had kind of a weird... UFC run? Yeah, he should, probably should go to 205, but he's going to stick it out at 185. He is quite so. committed to 185. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. 
gas is a is an important thing in fighting. So so they say. <laughs> and are you? A, I bet you like this one too, Brian Kelleher and Mario Bautista. Yeah, that should be fun. Everyone loves. They boom. Say should probably just slug this one out. That'll be a good card. I think that, you know some of these are on the prelims. I think I think Kelleher and Bautista are on the prelims, and the rest are on the main card. Um, yeah, I think Vanessa Demopoulos is also on the prelims. She is. She's uh, she's I think the curtain jerker. Okay. Currently, um, who is she going against? I need this for just a second. I forgot. I, I almost put this down. And JP Bays is fighting um, as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care about that fight too much, but I don't either. You're just name checking people. Na- I'm just name dropping right now. All right, that's fair. And that does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. I hope you appreciate it coming out a day early. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, especially on Father's Day. Any fathers listening like myself, enjoy the day. Hopefully your kids are good and either leave you alone or you have a great time with them. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.